Welcome to the Modern Society Podcast. My name is Stephanie and I'm your host. Welcome everyone. I hope that everybody in the States had a good holiday. It was Thanksgiving for us and one of my favorite holidays. We had, um, it was just wonderful. You know, I think my kids are just at that age and mamas, if you're listening and you have little ones and you think I'm so exhausted (laughs) or you have teenagers and think I can't believe that they're gone or kids in college. I guess my kids are kind of at that easy age at eight and 11 that um, it's just fun. We can have really busy days and they can handle it and we can have really lazy days and they can handle it. And we kind of had a mixture of both, had a lot of fun. Our kids are just happy these days, which I will go ahead and tell you as a parent is not always the case. Um, they can get in arguments and stuff like that, but just a good around, good all around time. So that is why I walked away. I was going to put on another episode and then it just kind of happened to be where those days where you end the day thinking, I just soaked in every bit of that time with them. And so I'm giving myself permission to do that. <laughs> and I did. So now it is Monday. It is raining here. And I have been thinking it is eight o'clock at night since nine o'clock this morning. It is so dark. And it feels so weird to be at my house without anybody here. I keep thinking, did I forget to go get the kids from school? Is it eight o'clock at night? Nobody's here and I've forgotten to do something. It's just eerie weird. But that means it's probably going to be cold tomorrow. And cold for us means 30s, which is super cold. Um, Okay, I've been asking you for suggestions on what to do in the intro and outro. And I got some really great suggestions. So thank you very much for that. And I don't know that I'll do them all on every episode, but we're going to do kind of something like I did in the newsletter. And I got an email today about the newsletter saying, when are you going to have another newsletter? You haven't sent one out. And that's true. I haven't. Um, I am going to do that. I think I'm probably going to change how many times I do that. But I do miss the newsletter. It's really one of my fun things. So I'm going to tell you what I'm reading. And... (laughs) I love audiobooks. I love, I just love audiobooks. But I think I hesitate to say that because I don't love every audiobook and I don't even get through five minutes of every audiobook. I really am picky about them and some I just can't listen to and get into. But um, Lisa C is, I think that I've read another one of her books, but. It came available in, I use this app on my phone from our library called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. And let me write that down so I can put it in the show notes. But um, I just put in my library information and I think it was my card and my password or something. It pulls up all audiobooks and Kindle books and kids books. My daughter actually is very auditory learner and she listens to the kids books on here I'll tell you which ones she really likes the and they're silly if you're an adult and you listen to them you're going to be like yeah that's really silly (laughs) they're all really silly but Dan Gutman has all of these it's like Mr. Jack is a maniac um another one is Miss Sue has no clue um Let's see. Mr. Lane is a pain. She's listening to a lot of those audiobooks, and there's some other ones on there too. But right now I'm listening to Lisa C., The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane. And I really, 
like it. I really, really like it. I like Lisa C's work anyways. She wrote, um, oh, her other book was Snowflower and the Secret Fan. I really like that book. So it's a good reader and a good book, and I really like listening to it. Okay, cooking. I have to say everything. <laughs> I'm actually making marmalade today. If you want to make marmalade, I have a marmalade um, kind of recipe-ish. I have a couple recipes that I reference, and then I tell you what I did. I made more today because I have more oranges that I needed to get done. But, um, yeah, making marmalade. And with fresh oranges off my parents' trees, so that's even cooler. I hope it turns out this time. <laughs> uh, family fun, puzzles. We have gotten a puzzle and put it out on our table that we don't eat at. It's usually does it actually had a ping pong table on it for a really long time. But if you have a spare table, I would put a puzzle out. My kids will randomly walk by there. People that come visit you will randomly try and do it. It's just a really good thing to have set out, especially during this time of the year. Um, put out a puzzle. That and you can get some really good ones on Amazon, or we found them at Hobby Lobby and Big Lots, and you know, everywhere you can find a puzzle. Um, what fabric am I swooning? Well, <laughs> I actually did get a little bit of a early Christmas from Michael Miller, and they have it is um, Goat Island and Sorry, let me get the tag. It is called Go Island by Susan Emery, and it is the cutest line. It's got grays and yellows and pinks and blues and aquas and navies and just, it's just really pretty. It's really, really pretty. I love the colors in it, and it doesn't have a lot of goats. I think only one of the prints has goats, so if you're like, oh, I don't like goats, trust me, it's a great one. It's called Go Island, and it's Michael Miller. Um, making, well, I have a ladder in my sewing room and it has all of my works in progress. So it's usually a lot of tops and I've been, especially this summer, not feeling well. I did not get a lot done and I've been pulling off tops, making backings, piecing together battings and making do with everything that I have here and trying to get these tops sewn together. I gave one as a wedding present with my mom to my cousins. Um, what else did I do? I got some of Rebecca's done. Um, I quilt her quilts for her when she does some of my internet stuff, my website stuff. And just a baby quilt that I needed to get done. I kind of wanted to see how it would turn out. And another baby quilt for my brother-in-law to give his friend and just stuff like that. I have another one right now that I'm working on for Sander Clements. New, it's a girl superhero line called here. I think it's just called hero and it's with Michael Miller and it is a really cute top, but she's going to put it in her lookbook. So I'll have more information on that soon. <clears throat> so, um, I'm writing notes so I can put all this in the show notes because <laughs> I'll forget and that's what I'm making just trying to get stuff done and um <laughs> what do I recommend well I have inadvertently put myself through torture for a month but I ran out of my mom stuff face bomb and mom stuff is made in Utah and they have a day and fate a day and night face bomb and they also have a bomb that you can put on 
just like it's called a pinion salve. And you can put it on anything. I have a burn right now. I put it on last night. It totally soothed it. If you have eczema, if you have a burn, if you have a bite, if you have even like when my oldest daughter gets like a pimple or my husband or whatever, we put it on there and it'll draw it out. Um, but the day and night balm for the face has been the only, I have really oily skin. I have skin that breaks out really fast. It is the only thing that I can put on my skin in the morning with makeup on top of it and at night and not have a breakout and not have oily skin. It is so awesome. So in saying that, I ran out and didn't have it for a month and my face has not been the same. It is awful. So I ordered on Black Friday. No, they had it for Small Business Saturday. They had a sale and I ordered. So if you need Something like me, if you just want an all-around good product to give, this is such a great product. I love mom stuff. So that is what I'm recommending, mom's stuff. All right, let's say thank you to our sponsors real quick. I don't know why I'm out of breath today. I think it's the rain. I think it's just affecting me. <laughs> um, sponsors, let's see. We have Havel Sewing. They have awesome double-sided pink rotary mats. They have scissors. They have snips. They have rotary cutters. They have everything. They have great prices. And if you use the code Modern Society 7, you get $7 off a $25 order. And I use them for everything. The 60 millimeter roller, or not roller, rotary cutter is my all-time favorite. I cut lots of layers with that. Um, Sulky threads. I talked to Kelly the other day and just said how much I could not get over cotton and steel. And she's like, it's okay. I know that you love cotton and steel threads. So it's okay if that's what you want to say. And I do. I actually <laughs> just use it all the time. I use those colors has made me not use just neutrals anymore. It has really made me want to use colored threads. So sulky threads has cotton and steel 50 weight thread on a spool you can quilt a quilt it's a lot of thread on a spool so I love that go and check out sulky threads and find everything there to make a quilt um and Hobbs batting I love Hobbs batting love them use them for all of my quilts I recently used the silk batting and really love it but I also love the wool and the cotton the blends I love it all and Love patchwork and quilting. If you're in the United States, you probably are like me and know exactly how hard it is to sometimes try and find. I love patchwork and quilting if you don't have a store near you that sells them. So you can get an amazing deal with 78% off an annual subscription for the U.S. readers. It's $39.95 for 13 issues a year, and that's a huge savings of $141.92. You can get it right to your mailbox. Just go onto the Modern Society website and click on the Love Patchwork and Quilting banner and get that offer because you will love it. And um, I think that's pretty much it. This I don't really need to say a lot about who I have on the podcast today because she, her awesomeness just speaks for itself. She is such a kind and loving and creative person. I met her in person and... I just love her. I think she does amazing work, and we had a great chat. So welcome, Nicole from Wild Boho, onto the podcast. I hope you enjoy this chat. I will speak to you again in a minute. 
Okay, Modern Society listeners, it is always fun when I can have a guest on that I've met before. And I've met this sweet maker before at Quilt Market and instantly fell in love with just how incredibly sweet she is and talented. So welcome, Nicole, from Wild Boho, the embroidery, I would say, genius of our time. Oh, thank you. It's so <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> I I just love your work, and I think it's that you love color as much as I do. Like, you like mixing pattern and color and all of it, just all of it. Oh, absolutely. The more color and uh, florals and patterns I can mix into something, like, yeah, that's just, that's what makes me happy. I love working with, with color. Me too. I love to mix all the prints. Um, my youngest daughter, her best friend's mom is always saying, did you see what she wore? I mean, she had florals with florals and more florals. And I was like, yeah, I kind of like it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. (laughs) So I think that my child is taking after me and is now dressing with all the prints. Um, oh, that's adorable. It is. It's so much fun for our maker to see that. It totally makes me smile. Um, okay. Yeah. I I think it would be fun to kind of get, because you do have a little bit of a different uh, viewpoint in the sewing, quilting, um, embroidery industry to me. And I kind of just want to get your background. Where did you get this bug from and um, how did you get it started and all that fun stuff? Did you grow up in a, in a creative family, all that good stuff? Well, I think it's the fabric bug has always been in me. My mom was a sewer. She sewed all my clothes. I have dresses that she smocked. And so she was always um, making and we were always at fabric stores looking at fabric, which at the time was boring to me. Um, but now I can see why she loved it so much. When I, when I was younger, I did, I didn't sew with the machine because I had a a fear of the sewing machine. I was always jamming it up and I couldn't get it right. So the crafts that I did were all hand crafts, um, little cross stitch things, you know, friendship bracelet, anything with my hands that didn't require a sewing machine. Yeah. Is what is what I love to do, which probably to you, I mean, you sew like crazy. So you'd probably die to know that my sewing machine is in a closet um, <laughs> behind something. So if I'm getting it out, you know, it's a really big deal for me to pull my sewing machine out. But I didn't, I just didn't have a love for the machine. So I, you know, grew up doing all of the, the hand, um, fiber things, latch hooking, and I'm trying to think what else I did, anything with my hands. So fast forward years, um, I had my first two kids and I was sitting a lot with my one. He would only sleep when he was on me and I was sitting. So I spent a lot of time just sitting and felt the need to be able to be doing something with that time instead of just sitting. It was kind of driving me crazy. I always need to be doing something with my hands. So, you know, this is around the time um, when I feel like fabric designing and fabric designers were just coming out with really cool things. And before that, I mean, we would go shopping with my mom when we were 
little and you didn't know who made the fabrics. Oh, yeah. um, they were florals or they were polka dots. Like it was, it was just the fabric that was there and you bought it cause you liked it, but you didn't know who was behind it. And so because of Instagram and seeing fabrics and knowing the designers behind the fabrics, that really got me into fabric again. But because I didn't love sewing, <laughs> I was like, well, what could I do with these fabrics that I love so much and not sew them because I don't enjoy that. And I was looking for a hand project. So I just started buying little bits, fat quarters of fabric that I really liked and mixing and matching them in embroidery hoops. And once I would put something together, I would just start embroidering over what I made. Um, and the first, you know, lots of hoops that I made were just really simple. Um, one background fabric and maybe two little elements that I would add on. And gradually I added a lot more and they became more colorful and lots of texture and to the point where I am now and I'm with beads and sequins and yarns and so over time, my style, I think, has um, changed a little bit and gotten a little bolder and more colorful and detailed than it was when I first started with all of this a few years ago. So, and I think that is a journey that many of us go on, right? That you start out one way and you evolve. I was just thinking about this, not in making, but in the podcast, how I started out with the one notion and then I've kind of evolved in to this other thing. And it's hard to give yourself permission sometimes to go outside and do something new and to kind of change your aesthetic a little bit. And, and I'll, right. you know, it's getting better, but still, it's still hard to change the thing that you know, and you're comfortable with and kind of go outside of your comfort zone and try something different and change your brand in a new way. Did you feel that way? Or was it an easy process for you? I think it felt a little bit easier. When I first started making hoops, a lot of them were for nurseries. Um, people would ask me like, well, this is pretty, but what do I do with it, with this hoop? And, you know, I'd explain, well, you hang it on a wall <laughs> and make gallery walls. Or it, it was before hoop art was really a thing. Right. Um, now you go into Joanne and they have ready-made hoops that you can just buy and hang on your wall. But it was before that. And... I would I would find cute little nursery prints that I liked. And so I, I think it started with a lot of people were buying little things for their nurseries. And so the prints that I was looking at were more, you know, tailored for younger, the younger crowds, the baby yeah. crowds. Um, but, but then I started creating more for me. And what did I really enjoy making? Um, yeah, so it, it, it seemed to be the right sort of, progression to make yeah. what I was doing. And so your first book is um Boho Embroidery or yes, Boho Embroidery. So it is just almost like your story. So you start reading it and it kind of tells like <clears throat> your process, what you do, your story, how you got into this. And your second book, Boho Embroidery, the pattern collection is more okay, now that you know all those basics that were in the first book, let's put that to the test. And here are a lot of ways that you can do that. Was how, how, tell me a little, tell listeners a little bit about those books. I love that you did it in this sequence, by the way. I think it was 
phenomenal. And I think it's kind of endless, the things that you can do. I think you need to do more books. I think books, because the sequence that you did it makes so much sense to keep going. And I think that was really smart. Well, in my head, I always, when I was teaching myself, you know, embroidery, I to have a book that I could just from start to finish know everything that I needed to get know exactly know that I was getting from the book everything I would need to create something really cool that was tailored to me and so when I set about writing the first one that's how I wanted it to be I wanted a complete beginner to be able to pick this up and say okay well these are the supplies I need Um, I can get started with these few fabrics. Here's my hoops and here's a few ideas and the stitches and I am on my way. And then with the second book, I did want to take it further. Um, Still a beginner, I think, could pick it up. And I go over a few of the stitches again, like the basic stitches. But then I branched out into um, fancier stitches, ones that add a lot more texture um, and I, I do work with the beads and sequins because I enjoy it so much. And just other materials, lace and, you know, cork. Cork is really fun to embroider with. Um, so, yeah, I moved into into what else can you do now that you know the basics and how can you have fun and make it completely individual to you. Yeah. Okay. So just total side note. You are saying beads yeah. and all I am thinking is... I know you've had a moment where you're working with beads and they fall on the floor and then you're walking a day later and you're stepping on them going. (gasps) It's not just one moment. It's like anytime I work with them, they're on the couch, they're on the floor. I'm vacuuming up beads. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of beads though. So I don't notice the few that go missing. Yes. My daughter uses beads and slime and not kidding you. This is our life. (laughs) So, um, but I love that you're taking it further you know that you are um doing the beads and you're doing different things that really like you said bring out that texture I think that is really neat because you know when I'm thinking about a quilt I love raw edge applique because it gives texture I think that that is missing in traditional patchwork so I love this thought of bringing that texture bringing those different dimensions in and with the cork and the different materials that's what I think right. the second book really, it's almost like, okay, you know, basics, but here, let's jazz it up. Let's give it some things right. that make it very unique. And you can make it your own uniqueness and what you put in it, whether you do beads and the colors and the materials that you use and the, you know, the uh, fabrics. I think it's really a cool thing to do. How... In your second book, how, because I mean, you are creating all the time. When I follow you on Instagram, I'm always like, does this girl ever sleep? I mean, I'm really thinking that you don't. So how did you narrow down what you were going to put in the second book? Because I I would think that would be hard. Well, I did. I started, I broke it down into sections. Um, I love to embroider like plants and florals. So those patterns came really easy to me, but I also didn't want it to be like traditional. Here's a butterfly and you can embroider this butterfly. So I made my, um, the collection of half moths, which I think are really fun and unique. Um, and then I have, you know, people and little chickens, like fun things that I would 
want to stitch, yeah. I put in the book. Um, and they're all things that people can completely, ch- I, I encourage you throughout the book not to follow my patterns exactly because I didn't even follow my patterns exactly in the book. <laughs> it's about taking it and, and doing something um, that's unique to you and modifying things if you feel like it should be modified. So there, there are patterns that can be loosely followed, which is how I enjoy patterns. I don't like following things super closely and measuring and all that stressful stuff. Yeah. And I think it's such a fun thing. So portable, right? I mean, that is the one thing I'm really jealous about embroidery is it's so portable. It's so portable to take it with you and to work on it. One of the things listeners, if you're listening and you're going, I just, I don't know. I love what she does. I follow on Instagram and I just don't know. I thought one of the really modern things that you did that's very in right now was the gemstones and geodes. Love it. It's so impactful. But if you break it down, not super duper intensely hard, but the impact of it is a lot of texture. You can mix your fabrics and it's very in. And I... I don't know. I really was drawn to those patterns and, and I think it's a really good, I hate to say beginner, but I I do kind of think that it, if you sew that you could look at that and do it. It definitely is. And that was that those patterns. I, I really loved making them when I have small kids and we're always going to museums and, you know, little day trips and stuff. And there are always um, the places we go to, there's always rock collections and, you know, um, just neat displays with things like that. And so I took that that I really liked looking at in real life and made fabric versions of it. And the the fun of it is, yes, you can see my color palette um, in the book I used, I think all cotton and steel ones for the, for that series, mm-hmm. but somebody else could do all solids and somebody else can decide to do like stripes and florals and it will look different for every single person, which is what that that makes me get excited, like knowing that you're going to come away with something that looks completely different from mine, even though you follow the same patterns. Yes, yes. And totally be you, right? Totally be your aesthetic yes. and what you like and what you would hang on your wall. Um, yes. And I think sometimes, you know, in the bigger projects of, you know, making a garment or making a quilt or whatever, those are sometimes hard to experiment with. But a smaller project like this, it takes that scariness because you can get into your scraps and kind of work it out in your head before you get into you like, that's my Heather Ross or something. Right. Um, you know, you can kind of, it's a small enough project that you could work it out and not take too much time with, you know, your scrappy fabric and then go, oh, I really like this. I want to make another. And then you would almost have like in a little eclectic series probably. Um, yes. I don't know. I love it. Yes. The, go ahead. The, the way I also designed all the patterns were, um, you could take a pattern and use just your fabrics and make an applique version of it. Or you can transfer the pattern to fabric and make a stitch sampler or just stitch it and not have to add any fabrics. So if it's really the embroidery you want to practice with and the stitches you want to play with, there are versions throughout the book that you can see. I just did embroidery and I didn't mix and match fabrics. I mixed and matched threads and colors and 
um, added textures in that way. So the patterns are all designed to be used either as applique or as standard embroidery patterns. I wanted it to be really versatile for people. So let's go into threads and needles and the arsenal that you have that is probably different than the 50 weight thread that I am used to using (laughs) on the daily, right? I mean, I think that's probably intimidating when, um, you know, when, when you say I'm embroidering, you're not embroidering with that 50 weight that we probably all have. So where is a good start for someone who is listening, who's like, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. And I say, give this a go, not in your sewing time, but give this a go in a pouch that you take with you and work on when you can't sew. Because let me tell you, it is meditative, it's meditative it to sit in the doctor's office and have something to work with your hands. It takes the the edge off, I think. It does. It is. It's And it's so portable, which is what I enjoy about it. I can throw everything into a pouch and take it in the car with me. And when I'm sitting in line somewhere or, you know, weeding, I, that's what I'm doing. And I'm passing the time enjoyably. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take much to, to get started either, but through the years I have narrowed, narrowed my supplies down to what I really love working with. Um, so for needles, I, I like the Richard Hemming and son, the milliners or embroidery needles. Um, people always ask what sizes that I use. I have a lot of needles. I don't keep track of sizes that much. I do like the milliner's needles because they're a longer needle and I feel like I have more control as I'm stitching. Um, but for the eye size, as long as you can thread your thread through it, like that's, it's kind of personal, personal choice when it comes to needles. Um, with beading, I do end up using smaller needles because I use seed beads and you know, you just have to make sure that your your needle can go through the bead, the center of the bead. Right. Um, so for threads, I do, I am very partial to threads. I love the, it's Sue Spargo and Wonderfill um, specialty threads. They make the Eleganza and it's, it's pearl cotton. It comes on a spool. I love it because I don't have to fuss with separating floss. Like a lot of the, um, you know, DMC is great, right? but what, what I don't have time for or patience for is separating it into the amount of strands that I want. This does it for me and comes in a lot of colors. So it has, there's three sizes. Um, size eight is the thinnest. I always compare it to like two strands of floss. And then there's the size five, which is in the middle, which is like four strands. And then there's the size three, which is the thickest. Um, And that's like if you were using all six strands of a dividable floss. Gotcha. So I love love those um, flosses. I also use um, like DMC tapestry when I want something to look thicker. Like when I really want to see my stitches, I always tell people you're spending so much time sitting and embroidering a project and you want your stitches to be seen so don't be afraid of thicker threads like the tapestry wool or even sock yarns like sock weight yarns you can easily use in embroidery it's fun to experiment with with like silks and ribbons and things like that 
Yeah. Um, and then one, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I just love that you brought up that the, um, the whole separating the thread thing. Oh my gosh. Because sometimes you will separate it and then they will all be different links. And no matter yes. how much you try, it just always, oh, it's so and annoying. I, I never found a good way to store them. Like I ended up, right. I'd always put them in a bin and it was like this massive bin and everything was tangled and it would just drive me crazy. Yes. yes. So I know some people use them and are so organized with them and have really pretty displays. And it's, I just was never able to master that. So having a spool for me is super convenient and I just, I love the colors. I love the variegated colors. It's it's enjoyable to work with for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then back to supplies, just the scissors that you use. Um, I always recommend the Fiskars Micro Tip um, scissors, and they're the kind that they're the spring action. I find that when you're cutting, like cutting tiny little details, you just have so much control over what you're cutting. Um, with the, with the spring action ones. So I always recommend those scissors and they're great for everything for cutting threads or cutting fabrics. They're my go-to scissors. So, and then an embroidery hoop and you are, you know, fabric and you're ready to go. It's, there's not a lot of stuff that you need to get started. So hoops, hoops are basically, I mean, there's not like grades of them really it's mainly just how what size you want really I mean or or there I know there's plastic hoops and wooden hoops I, I mean, mean there's yes again that's it's very personal some people love the plastic ones I'm not a huge fan just because I feel like I can't get the fabric to tighten enough in plastic or bamboo they're they're my least favorite but if you can find a nice wood hoop, um, my favorite hoops are from Brooklyn Haberdashery. She carries these really nice hoops that aren't too expensive. Um, they're made in Turkey. They're just beautiful quality. And they're my go-to hoop now. I've been frustrated with a lot of the cheaper wooden hoops. I would get a shipment of them and they'd all be broken. And I always say if you can find vintage ones, before I do snag them up because they're they're the really good ones yeah although I probably shouldn't say that because I'm having a hard time finding them in thrift stores now so people are probably snatching them up on me I have this one that's like a oval big huge oval I should I've had it for years I should put it in the mail to you because you would probably be like yes yeah <laughs> please and thank like you the jackpot. <laughs> yes the wooden the older wooden hoops are really really well made yeah um and the pricing is I mean when you find them used you can get great prices on bundles of them usually so I always snag them up when I get the chance I love that what a good I mean there is one of my favorite things to do when I thrift is to stumble upon someone's handwork or you know a quilt or whatever it I don't think that and you appreciate it unless you know what it takes to do that. I mean, even the ones yes. that I'm like, okay, why did they spend all that time doing that particular, right. you know, whatever, but right. still, you they know, still spend all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It so, is. It's a lot of, it's definitely called slow stitching for a reason. I, when I teach classes, I tell people, you're not going to finish 
you know, in the short period of time that we have, but you can at least learn the stitches. And then the enjoyment comes from sitting, you know, are you watching TV and you want to work on something, just enjoying the, the rest of the work that comes with the embroidery. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so your your second book is the Pattern Collection, and it has 30 modern yep. motifs and 20 traditional stitches. It has a lot of different projects in it. Kind of tells you um, everything, really, that you want to know. And you're doing, you're having makers do a stitch along, um, and that is going to be up whether you're listening to this episode current when it comes out or not. I mean, it's going to be up and you can check it out. And I like stitch alongs because you can kind of see the translation that other people took from your book into their own. And I mean, seriously, the people that you have in this stitch along is like amazing. So tell us a little bit about that. And like I said, I will put a link to the stitch along in the show notes. So don't worry about you know, keeping any of this information, just go to the show notes and click on it. Um, but tell us a little bit about this and what these makers are going to be doing with the book. So, yes, it's, I think we're in, you know, it started in um, the beginning of, or at the middle of September when I got my act together to arrange everything. Um, and you can follow the hashtag. It's the Boho Embroidery Stitch Along. So everyone's tagging their projects that way. But for, um, for several weeks from September through November, every Friday I'm featuring a different maker who has my book and a pattern that they're working on, and they are interpreting it however they want to, which is so much fun for me to see. Um, these patterns I worked on, you know, the ones in the book are all my own ideas and my own fabrics that I picked. And but to see somebody else pick a pattern and then do something completely different is so much fun. And it's just as enjoyable for me as I hope it is for everyone else out there. We're only a few weeks in now, but so far I've been really inspired to see um, what they, what the makers have come up with. And there's nothing better than a big hashtag for you to go look at when you get a book. Okay. I just want to say that to everyone who is listening, who has a book hashtags, because when I get a pattern, when I get a book, when I get fabric, when I get anything, I go and look at the hashtag. It is. That is the first thing I do. It is. It's so important. It's so important to have that hashtag because especially if you're nervous, right? Especially if you get something and you're like, I don't even know where to start or I'm a little bit anxious about what if I make the wrong move, a hashtag will help you kind of get out of that a little bit, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people always put tutorials up under those hashtags. They're so helpful to organize things. Um, I find them really, uh, you know, invaluable on Instagram, especially in the art world. Yes, I love a good hashtag. So um, you have a a list of people that are going to take something out of the book and make it their own and and post about that. And you'll have it also on on your feed, which is, okay, let's go back to that. I really don't think that you sleep a lot comment because I (laughs) love your Instagram feed. And I know what it's taking to put into the things that you post. I mean, your Instagram feed, let's just talk about that for a minute. It is so amazing. It is so beautifully done. Um, 
And I guess in that whole comment is your photography. I think your photography, it's so hard to hold up a quilt, right, and get a picture. But I'm so jealous that you you're you have smaller projects, so your photography and taking it places, I would think it'd just be oh, fun. It is. It is. And that's really sweet because I have such a small studio space, so um, I it's hard to sometimes, you know, you worry about lighting, it's weird lighting. And yeah, so thank you. That's really sweet of you to say, but it is fun to take little projects out and to think, oh, well, this is a, you know, a bee hoop, where would it look cool to get a picture of it, you know? And so, yeah, I'm always thinking about that, but also it's the, the work that I do, it's very detailed. So I can show little bits of something that I'm working on. It might look like I've been spending hours and hours when really I had a few minutes in the car, you know, between things to stitch. And that's what I'm sharing. So I do get some sleep, I think. So I mean, I just, I love your feed. Number one, it is, it's just full of color, color. I love how much color (laughs) there is. I just love it. But it's so cool because I feel like in your feed, um, because it is slow work and it's hand work, I feel like you really document the process of, um, of your pieces, right? So it's, you know, five, five images in a row could be the, the, documentation of something that you're working on and its progression. I love that. I love that. So do you put a lot of, I know a lot of people plan their feed. I don't plan my feed. I mean, how do you feel about that? No, I I don't plan either. It's, I, I don't have the head space for me either. Um, It's, it's whatever I'm working on at the time. And I do, I, you know, to be honest, I have a lot of projects going on at a time. I'm never just working on one hoop. Um, I have a basket of hoops that I'm switching back and forth between. And, you know, I've just started making um, crazy hoops. So I have, they take a lot of brain power for me. So I have a whole section of my studio of just that. So yeah, I jump all over the place, which probably does help um, my you know, it's, it's kind of all over the place, but I do like to every once in a while show from start to finish, here is what the fabric looked like before I did anything. And it's in a hoop. And then gradually you can see um, the thoughts behind where I went next and little things that I added just so that you can see it's manageable. Like anybody can do this in little bits of time. It's not all coming together in one day. Yeah, It's happening over a period of time. And I think that you post a lot about, oh, it worked. Oh, mm, this is not really what I thought it would be. I like that. I like that you are real about it. It's not like everything I do is perfect because. No, because it's not. not, It's not, you know, and I, I love that realness because then it seems so achievable and it seems so okay to mess up. Yes, it is. Because you know what, you mess up and the next time you do it, you're going to do it the right way. Because you know what the messed up version looked and felt like. So it's you need to make those mistakes. And it's embroidery. If you make a mistake, what is the worst thing that happens? You cut out some thread. Like, these aren't huge errors that you're, you're not like measuring a quilt completely wrong. And it's, you know, you waste tons of fabric. It's little bits of things. So yeah, you need to have fun with it and to play around and mess up occasionally. Yeah. 
I love that. Okay, so one thing that you um you are a cricket maker ambassador like or influencer like I am and yeah. the maker can cut fabric so it can cut fabric without having the iron on um yeah the heat and bond right the heat and bond on the back yeah. I couldn't find the, the the words um yeah so it can you can just put the fabric down on the mat and it can cut it out and I mean like it can cut anything out so there's also a knife blade that you can um essentially you could probably use the chipboard make your own hoop um yeah I mean like that would be really cool (laughs) there's so many things that you can do it's unbelievable what this machine can do so you are using it to experiment with how you can put it in your work so for me sometimes I think you know, when I cut out a flower, it never is going to look like a flower should. I mean, the petals are going to be right. kind of crazy or whatever. That is where right. the maker does all of that. It's so the interface and design space is so incredibly user friendly. And it you, really is. You can pop a couple flowers into design space, say cut it, put the fabric on your mat. It does all the work for you, peel them off, put them on your hoop, and you are ready to go. It is so incredibly easy. It's so easy. The last project I did was a, it was a simplicity pattern and I, I did it all out using any of the, um, the fusible, you know, um, heat and bond. And it was my first like pattern that I did through Cricut. And it was so, I couldn't believe how, how easy it was. It was, you know, flowers that you ended up having to gather together at the end. And then they made like the flower shape. So each flower had like you know, lots of little cuts and like zigzags. And I could have done it by hand. Yes. But the speed that the machine did it and all I had to do was put in a mat and a little piece of fabric and it cut everything out for me. It was really cool. It It was was really fun doing that. And I don't know if you know this about the maker. I learned this when I went to, um, the makeathon is so okay you have all these scraps and you don't know what to do with them so the the design space for Cricut has a snap to mat so you can take a picture of the fabric on your mat and then in design space it will show you where that fabric is so you can actually fussy cut if you wanted or you can totally maximize your 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 scraps so you don't necessarily have to have like you know a big square of fabric you can have a scrap and take a picture of that scrap on the mat and then when you put it in design space it will let you put your image that you're trying to cut out onto that scrap so it cuts perfectly and you get to use that little scrap like to all of its scrappiness that is really cool. I had no idea. I had yes. no idea you could do that. That's yes. awesome. And you can fussy cut that way, right? So you can right. put it on there, take a picture, and then you can line it up. Say you're doing hexagons. You can line that hexagon up right. to just fussy cut what you wanted. I mean, like serious. This I know, My brain is like going right now. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so crazy the endless things yeah. that you can do with it. So another thing that I think is really important, especially if you're listening and you're like, I just don't have the time to start something new. The Cricut, for me, I have terrible handwriting. 
And sometimes it's really hard for me to know how to transfer patterns onto what I'm supposed to do or what I'm embroidering. So the Cricut has a water-soluble pen, just like we use um, in garment making. And you can use that. It will write on the fabric for you. So say you want to do something with wording, but you don't like, you don't know where to get the font. You can do all of that design space. And I am not good at Photoshop, but I kill it in design space because it's so easy and it will write out your wording and then use Nicole's techniques to do whatever, you know, stitch you want to use. Yeah. I have to say the, the fonts, and being able to do that in design space is my number one, like why I love the cricket so much. Um, it's so easy to design space is very like, I didn't have to learn a new program. No. It was just very mm-hmm. intuitive. I yeah. could just figure it out and play with it and it worked. Yep. Um, and so you can mix and match fonts, which is really cool because if I'm doing an embroidery project and I, I don't want it to all be the same font. So you can mix and match fonts and sizes. And then it's, yeah, it's the washable fabric pen. You put it in and it, it prints it out for you. Um, I haven't had, I'm looking at a project that I did just on regular. I had it right on cotton fabric. It didn't bleed like it, it worked perfectly. And then I was able to embroider right on top of it. And it saved me so much time being able to set it up like that. And have the machine write it out for me. It was awesome. So you could almost set up little kits, right? If this is something that you like. I mean, the maker, you could do, you know, go ahead and do the writing. You could go ahead and cut your shapes out. Put that in a little pouch. Have your kit ready. And almost be able to sew while you're doing all of this making of a kit. Because it seriously yeah. does it all for you. So I know this is like such an infomercial for cricket, but when I look at that machine, I see the advantages in what you do to like endless. Oh yeah. I've been able to combine my embroidery and fabric with everything that it can do. And it, I, I had another project I was working on an art gallery hoop um, with you know, mixing some of um, Maureen Cracknell's the oh, yes the the ladies. I can't think of the name right now. Oh <sighs> yes, I know what you're talking about. But, I'll find you it. Know, yeah, yeah. The bo- the very boho ladies. So I did several of them, and then I wanted flowers in all of the other art gallery fabrics that I had to match. But to actually cut out like a ton of florals like I wanted would have taken me forever when all I had to do was find the shape that I wanted, put the fabric in and it like it did the work for me. And I was able to then layer it with it's flower child. Yeah. Flower child. child. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it saved me so much time and was a really fun way to play around with, with what I can do with the maker. Yeah. I I love it. And I, you know, it makes, I'm saying you can make a kit and I'm thinking, okay, that's what I need to get on because that's, (laughs) that is for me setting myself up with something like that to know that it's in my bag. And I'm not kidding you. Like sitting through two hours of your kid having something, there are other people in there. They're usually on their phones. No one talks to anybody anymore. 
to have right. that to pull out and go, I don't want to be on my phone. Like I say this on the daily. I'm like, I don't want to be buried in this phone. I want to be doing something that I enjoy. Having something right. like this is so perfect. And guess what? You are not on your phone. <laughs> exactly. And you're doing something with your hands, which you're just going to get more enjoyment out of doing yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, without I agree. A doubt. Um, I, I just love that. I think there are so many ways with embroidery to really set yourself up for, um, to be productive with it, I guess, and success, you know, like making the little kits and the pouches and things like that, um, and having them ready with a needle. And so do you, how, how do you, um, do you have like a little, needle book that you kind of keep in that pouch how do you do um let's say what would a pouch that Nicole carries around with a project in it like how do you set it up yourself to have that to go project what would my 10 pouches and different (laughs) I do I have like so I have a main one that has my scissors needles um yeah I think that's it that's in the main one so it's just a small pouch that I can grab mix and match um, and then I use either little sandwich size baggies or I have other clear, I found these really cool clear pouches at Target. I think they're supposed to be makeup pouches, but mm-hmm. I saw them and I was like, they would be great for putting all of my threads for one project in. So yeah. I have, I have a big pouch that's for my crazy quilt hoops. Um, because for those, I need like my lace and my rickrack and, you know, uh, beads and it's a lot more supply. So I have a bigger pouch for those. Um, I have a smaller pouch for the little cross stitch projects that I've been working on that I keep all my threads in there. And then I have my take everywhere with me embroidery pouch. And that has my threads in little, you know, baggies and my scissors and needles. It's not a ton of stuff that I carry with me. And then I of course have one for when I'm at home. Um, you know, when I'm with the family, I have my, it's a little box and I have lots of stuff there. So I don't have to be leaving the room when I want to work on a project. I have everything in my, in my box. I love that. So I can pass it. Yeah. Someone handed me down, it's a wooden box and the, the top, you don't like lift it up. It slides out, but the top has sandpaper on it. And then I guess you could put your supplies after you open the top up down in there. Um, do you have any tricks like that? Do you have any, like lay your fabric down to, um, or, you know, heat and bond or, you know, do you have any tricks up your sleeve that you kind of do on the daily that you just think is every day part of what you do, but maybe for someone like me, I'm like, Oh, I didn't know to do that. Hmm. That's a really good question. I do use a lot of heat and bond. Um, when I say I'm starting a hoop, from scratch, I, I will prepare everything first. Okay. Um, So I get, get my fabrics and I'll, I'll, you know, adhere the heat and bond to them. And I always cut out more than what I'm going to need because I like to then cut, do all my fussy cutting and then I can arrange things on my hoop. And if I have stuff cut out already, I don't need to stop and start the arranging part so it's like you're making a collage out of fabric so then everything's ironed on and then I then my project is portable so I always like to get to the point where 
my project is in a hoop and I can carry it around, you know, back and forth to all my things with me. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I do really like, I found these little, uh, they're little triangular metal beading trays that I found on Amazon. Um, And it's just, it fits in the palm of your hand and you can dump a little baggie of beads into it and it keeps it. I don't know what I did without these. Um, You can get them in a, I think it's a pack of six and I can send you a link to them so you can share it. But they're so helpful in being able to work quickly with beads and sequins and not get them all over the place. Um, They've, they've helped me a lot. That's one of my, my tips because the place I get seed beads from online, they come in little baggies Yeah, and I keep them in the baggies just because they're handy to store that way. And I can quickly look through my colors and, but when I'm working with them, I need them on a little surface and this has raised edges. So they're not spilling all over the couch, hopefully and getting everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, what about scraps? I mean, I, I, you, you do a lot of fussy cutting, I would imagine in your, so all of, or the extras that you have, you said you have extras. What do you do with all of that? I would think that that would be, you know, almost like in a bin because it's almost project by project. It would be different. Yes. And it is. I, well, the way I organize my fabric, I have um, storage bins that I have from Ikea that I love that are drawers and I can see through them. They're the wire drawers. So I have things organized by like I have all my free spirit fabrics and all my art gallery and all my you know organized that way Um, but when I do cut things from fabric I have another little bin that I put stuff in and I just keep putting things there until it's time to clean out my studio and if I haven't used it I take it to the thrift store for people to use (laughs) because I just yeah you know I I don't I have fabric that I don't use and because I don't have tons of space, like I have to keep on top of it and I can't keep everything I've realized. So I'll give it to the art teacher at my kid's school or, you know, I try and pass it along to someone I know can use it. Um, And little scraps either get given to the kids and if they don't use them, they funnel themselves down to the thrift store bag. Yeah. <laughs> so it is something I'm constantly like keeping on top of. Yeah. My kids not lying. I just, um, redid their closet. So they went to my parents and I had this idea. So I'm on this new medicine and a side effect we are discovering is organizing things, which is funny yeah. because um, that's not my t- typical personality. <clears throat> so yeah. I organized my kids. I took everything out of their closet and totally redid it. And um, do you want to know how many different little bags of fat quarters oh. and thread and <laughs> pin cushions that I didn't know where they were? Like my yeah. kids are, they, they, what they, I know what they do is they take them and they don't tell me and they hoard them away. <laughs> <laughs> And then you find it all. <laughs> <laughs> but what they, it's funny because that's a part of their life. I'm sure your kids feel the same way. I mean, it's just, that's just in their house, you know, fabric yes. and thread yes. and pins. And that's just part of it who is. they are. It's everywhere. It's <laughs> as yeah. organized as I try to be. It's, it's everywhere. It's yeah, it's around us. <laughs> yes, it is. So do your kids, I mean, um, you know, my kids, 
ebb and flow when they want to do creative. My youngest is way more into it. My oldest doesn't want to stop reading long enough lately to do it, but, um, (laughs) which is fine. I mean, not complaining at all about that, but my youngest definitely is fearless when it comes to being a creative. Do you do things like that with your kids? Do you feel like sometimes you learn from them about their fearlessness? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's really fun to just see where their creativity goes. I have one who's um, he's obsessed with, you know, the perler beads. Yeah. And he will just sit and patiently work his way through a whole pattern, like a detailed pattern and not get up to do other things and not get distracted. And it's really fun to see that. My other son wants me to teach him how to embroider. And so I'm I'm going to get on that while he's young and wants to do it. Yeah. Yes, I see that they they want to experiment with things and create things. And they're always drawing me pictures and saying, you can stitch this for me. And, yeah. you know, oh, and in, in the book, I do talk about that using your kids art because I I have so much art <laughs> that yes. they give me. Yes. And I'm always being told, oh, you can stitch this and stitch this. And if I did that, I'd have, you know, nothing else to do. I'd have so yeah. many projects to stitch. Yeah. But, how you can use your kids art or art that you've done to make your own embroidery pattern. And that's really fun too, because it's, they like seeing something that they drew and then mommy made it out of fabric and she stitched it and spent time working on something that I drew. So it makes them see that their ideas are important too, I think. Yes. Yes. I love that idea. I think that is so important. And, you know, just a total mom side note, my, um, my youngest is the, the creative one who makes slime every day. Now she's into watercolor, which like my heart is dying with happiness over here. Um, yeah. Audiobooks. So she's an auditory learner. My oldest is not an auditory learner, so it doesn't work for every kid. But um, that really like, you know, sitting and doing something like Perler Beads or something. My library has an app where you can get books. Um, and their audiobooks. So sometimes I, if she's in there doing that quietly, I will just go, Hey, I'm going to just put a little audiobook on for you to listen to. And then she gets reading time. It doesn't realize that's a great idea. Yeah. That's a really good, we usually have music on all the time, but that's, I really like that idea too. Yeah. Cause she, she's not going to sit down and read that she, she learns by listening. So it's a good, not work for her because she's doing what she's loving to do. Um, oh, and another side note, when you said perler beads, do you know that I saw the cricket has the new, um, easy press? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. For perler beads. Oh, oh, wow. That is, I never even thought about that. Me either. And when I saw that. Because they are such a pain to iron. Yes. And it does. It's that, you know, you, they're all the different surfaces. I think I have the medium size one. And I mean, it's pretty big. Yes, girl. Yes. That is such a good idea. I can't believe I didn't think of that before. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was like, duh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I saw it the other day. Yes. Yep. Oh, I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Um, cause you can set the temperature and everything and how long or whatever right. it has a timer on right. it. It's super convenient. Um, uh, brilliant. I know. I, I just, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I find that these conversations that I have with other creatives, sometimes I want it to be just this, just 
you know, your life and my life, we don't get to see each other a lot, but we all have all of these connections and interests and passions. And I think it's so much fun to see how they all intertwine in um, each of our lives, you know, as our families. And yeah. I don't know, it's just fun. Yeah, bouncing around ideas. It's it's great to share stuff like that. It is. It's so much fun. Um, I I just love what you do. I think now, do you do workshops? Can people take things from you? I, you said that you would be at QuiltCon. Yeah. Um. So I've I've been doing a lot of workshops. You know, locally on the East Coast lately, um, and then I'll. At Quilt Market, I think to do a uh, book signing, and then I'll be at QuiltCon in Nashville, and I'm teaching uh, five different classes there. So, and then my schedule for next year isn't set up. It's always a balance between, you know, being able to do that and still have a family life, and you know, it's something that I'm constantly keeping balanced. But yeah, workshops are are so much fun. And I'm really excited for the ones that quilt con this year. Last year was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's always not talked about, I think that juggle in between having a business and having a family, um, yes. because you still do want to be mom, right? I mean, you still do right, want to be absolutely. a wife. You want to be also Nicole that has friends and goes every right. now and then <laughs> to lunch with those friends. Um, right. It is. It's yes. really, it, it's hard to find that happy balance sometimes. And you have a lot going on. So I can imagine, you know, that is, that is a big thing to juggle. And it's hard to say it's, you know, you, you're encouraged to say no when you're feeling overwhelmed, but no matter what the circuit, it's hard to say no to people. And it's a, it's a struggle to have to, to do that, to keep some sanity, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So, so it's do, a, do you have any, um, like any of your friends or anything like that, that local, like you see every day kind of have the same interests as you, or are you kind of doing this all solo? No, it's, it's, it's a solo thing for me. Um, I think I get when I'm on Instagram, I see, you know, I feel like some of the people in there that you follow, you feel like, you know, them. So that's kind of, it's kind of cool. But when I, when I work, I'm usually on my own, um, just in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Know what you mean on that one. Um, yeah, that's funny. Well, I, I have to say that I am totally, endlessly inspired by you. I, I just love your work uh -huh. and your personality shows and everything that you do, which is just this very, I love that it's wild boho because I, when I met you, I felt that you're very, um, very Zen and happy and just everything's going to be uh -huh. okay. And I love that <laughs> because then it makes me think that way. And it makes me think differently about my creative process. Um, so I love that. And I, I really thank you for that because I do follow you oh, and you. I do love your work. And I feel like that is how I feel when I see your work. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's a good thing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, you know, and I, it, it's fun to see someone, I don't know, in a way I'm a little bit envious of you because I mean, I'm a lot envious of you, but the <laughs> one thing that I really struggle with is I don't do one thing right I kind of do this whole eclectic thing which right right can be which super is also good 
it, but it's so hard. I, I wish that I had that yeah. one thing that I, I could focus on and I was really good on a good at, you know, like right. that one focus, um, because having the ADD eclecticness can get a little bit. <laughs> well, I think there's always the temptation to do that though, too. Yeah. I yeah. know for myself, I look at, I'm like, Oh, I really want to do macrame. And I watch these videos, the videos of macrame, like, are so relaxing to right? watch people do I that. Know. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> or watercolor. Like, I would love to do that. And then it's, it's realizing, no, I don't have like 10 extra days in my week. And this is what I can, um, you know, do. And it, it's kind of realizing what your limitations are too. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely, for sure. Um, I guess one last question that I have for you, and this might just be like a hard one. I mean, quilt markets coming up, is there anything that you're really, um, you know, excited about? I mean, of course, I'm I don't know if the cotton and the ex cotton and still girls are going to be there. I wonder if they're going to make an announcement. Amy yeah, Butler is leaving. I mean, there are a I lot know. of things going on in my head about this fall market. You know, I haven't thought too much about it, but I am, I'm really hoping that I, that Anna Maria Horner has her like next conservatory. Yeah. Um, is it chapter two, I guess. Is that how they're, I kind of want to see that because that has been a really, I think it's a really unique collection um, gathering artists from all over and coming up with a, it's not a huge fabric collection, which is I think really nice. It doesn't feel overwhelming, but it mixes and matches so many things. And that, that might be my favorite thing right now. So I'm kind of hoping to see a little sneak peek of something new there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I thought that was a really, um, she's so good at that. I was just talking to Kelly from Kelby Sews and we were talking about, I love when a fabric designer almost, I mean, I like individual collections that are totally different from each other, but I also really enjoy the, um, collections that meld into one another that you can use back-to-back collections and it still work. And, you know, that was something the Cotton and Steel Girls, I think, did a really great job of but also Anna does a great job of that many other people do um so that's always fun it is it is fun to see what what they're coming up with yeah so (laughs) girl I'm a little jealous I'm not going to be there now that I think about like there is a lot that is kind of going (laughs) I mean there's a lot riding on this and I think that that's not usually the way market is um Gosh, the last time I think this was happening was when the girls just launched Cotton and Steel. That was a huge market where that was big, right? They announced it. They were going to do all this stuff. And now I feel like this market is another one of those where you don't quite know what's going to happen. But there are a lot of changes. And I think they're exciting. I hate to see Amy Butler leave this industry. But I also know that Amy is so incredibly smart that she has thought this out for hours and hours and hours and knows that her heart has to do what her heart has to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait. You'll have to. Yeah. We might have to talk I'll, again. I'll <laughs> we just might have to talk again about aftermarket. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited. Both of your books are with Lucky Spool, which let's just all be honest and shake our heads as we're listening that they 
are just one of the most incredible bookmakers. I love I just love their books. I love the way they feel. I love the way they look. The aesthetic is always, I think, so representative of the author. Um, yes. I, and I love it's, that. It's not like it's just the publisher. You know, it's not like it's just one. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's Each one is is the author's, like, take on something, which is so much fun. And there was a lot of creative license with the books, which I appreciate so much. And Suzanne is just great to work with. And yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's always fun. And it's almost I love that you um, incorporate stories and how you think about things, but leave it kind of open ended and let the the reader really make what they will out of um, doing their embroidery projects. So I encourage you listeners to go check out Nicole from Wild Boho and check out her books. I think that both of them are a great arsenal to have in your library. to look at make your kit get get a maker cricket maker if you're like really on the fence and don't want to take the time to cut out everything there you go there's your answer there you go (laughs) um well Nicole thank you I, I adore you and thank you so much for coming on oh thank you I hope that you enjoyed that chat. I always love talking to Nicole. She is such a sweet person and awesome maker. I mean, she blows me away all the time. I love to see what she is up to. So make sure and go check her out. In the show notes are all the things that we talked about. I tried to get everything in there that we talked about. Sometimes that can be a little bit difficult as we talked about a lot of things and mentioned a lot of stuff in that. Um, So make sure and go check that out. If you have not left a review for the podcast, please go and do that. I really think that it helps people find the podcast and also share this with your friends because I'm almost at a million downloads, almost like super duper close. So the more that you share this podcast, I will get there. And this is going to be a huge thing for me. And um, so I hope that you go and leave a review for the podcast. Also, thank you to all of you who are going to the donate button on modernsociety.com and donating to the podcast. Thank you so very much. All of that helps. So you can do that if you just go to modernsociety.com and click on the podcast. Also, there are a lot of old episodes if you want to check those out. And (laughs) I really just hope that you are getting some sewing in and these stories are inspiring you in your sewing journey. Thank you to our sponsors, Havels Sewing, Sulky Threads, Hobbs Batting, and Love Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. I really appreciate them. And I really appreciate you guys. You have sent me some really great things lately. And I have to say that this is my favorite thing that I do is talking to all of you on the podcast or talking to all of you um, kind of through the podcast and the chats that I do. I really do enjoy it. I cannot wait to release some more episodes up next. We will have let's see here. Um, I have Zoe Dawn and I love her story. She does not buy fabric. She just gets what is donated or thrifted and we have such a great chat. She has a small business Etsy shop as well. So, and then Jesse Ziegler from, um, threaded quilting. So I hope that you will continue to tune into the podcast and catch more episodes. Thank you so much for listening and also make sure if you're on Instagram to follow me at modern society, I really, really, really love sharing all the things that I'm making over there as well. All right. Happy sewing. <laughs>